Good news, smoked beer fans. The official glass of This Week in Rauk Beer is now back in stock on our website. Visit beeredge.com slash merch to get yours today. And be sure to join This Week in Rauk Beer on Facebook or follow at TW Rauk Beer on Twitter and Instagram. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. As we start to near the third year of this pandemic, the impact on breweries remains severe. Jeff Bagby of Bagby Beer Company in Southern California is here to talk about his COVID-19 experience and then to offer some praise and a plea for classic styles of beer. But first, we're able to bring you this show each week. Thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com and be sure to check out Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code CRAFTBEER15 for 15% off your first order. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with the code BEEREDGE10, limit one per customer. Anenzi Hops is a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. Brewers tend to get excited when Jeff Bagby is around. I've seen it happen. As one of the most awarded brewers in the country and a staunch voice for the classic styles that exist in the world, as well as balanced beers, he extols the pleasures of creating lagers and ales that lend to a good time. After a career that saw him on the brew decks of noted breweries like Stone and Pizza Port, where he was the director of brewing operations, he and his wife opened up the Bagby Beer Company in 2014 inside of an 8,500 square foot location that is not only home to the brewery, but a restaurant with plenty of areas suited for both meals and long evenings tucked into pints. In an interview years ago, he told me that when they opened, he didn't even have an IPA on tap, focusing instead on lagers and other ales. Hoppy beers, yes, have come into the mix, but he's still focused on session beers, drinkability, and keeping traditions alive. As he explains on this episode, the pandemic has been brutal to the business. There's no sugarcoating it. From the government restrictions and unfulfilled promises to customer interactions, staffing shortages, the rising cost of labor and goods, as well as the day-to-day worry that comes from owning a small business, he's been knocked around. 
lot. Jeff will walk us through it all. Here's our conversation. I was reading the news the other day, and Mm -hmm. I saw that your governor is getting ready to announce a plan to move your state out of what I think he called crisis mode. Mm -hmm. And I got a chuckle out of that because, I mean, one, I'm just exhausted uh, after we're headed into now year three of this pandemic. Um, But it has just been so unrelenting that I don't even know what getting out of crisis mode looks like or if it's just going to be like well now it's wednesday um what has it been like the last two years um in 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 one word uh near impossible or two well that's two yeah we're all exhausted after the pandemic nobody i was gonna i was gonna say difficult but that doesn't begin to describe it. So yeah, impossible. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How? Um, in, as, as the, as we've gone through it, I think, oops, the, uh, the initial was just kind of the shock of, Oh God, you know, what are we going to do? Um, and you know that quickly moves into some quick decisions and some worry and some stress and some unknown because in the beginning um you know we uh we actually made the decision to shut down a couple of days before the state mandated it for our business um we thought we might be okay in a month or so yeah and you know looking back at our reactions and even what we told our 70 plus staff members who we let go or, or yeah. Um, uh, that day was be careful, uh, stay home. Um, don't, don't, uh, don't do anything that you don't need to do. And as long as everyone else does that, we should be through this. And I still believe that if that had happened, we would be through this. Yeah. And we wouldn't have variants and we wouldn't have had and gone through all of the things that we have. And everybody would have just followed those simple, simple couple things. And, um, you know, I, I, when we have gone, well, with the decisions that we made as we've gone through, we've made the, we've been aligned with CDC, with county, city, state, um, federal, all of the, the things that we've been required to do and are supposed to do, we've done and we've followed. And quite honestly, we've suffered quite a bit because of it. I, I was um, going to ask. Yeah. Um, and there's been little to no help um, from any, you know, we've gotten a couple of very small grants um, from the county of San Diego. Um, there's some state grants that were available, but we didn't qualify. Um, the RRF, I don't know if you're familiar with I'm not. The, the federal, uh, restaurant revitalization fund. Um, was, okay. Yeah. Was promising. Um, but at this point is a complete joke and is basically dead in the water. Um, it funded a, 
select amount of of it was obviously it's called the restaurant revitalization fund it was supposed to be grants given to restaurants of which uh, you are yeah of which we are and there were certain qualifications for that there was a large amount of the brewing community that was kind of upset because they didn't qualify looking at uh, breweries that are highly uh, tasting room oriented or you know the majority of their sales go through their tasting room um, but there was there was a requirement you know for I uh, may be speaking out of turn they uh, I believe there was a food requirement and that um, more than a certain percentage which was pretty high of your sales had to go through your your on-site location okay and um, any rate um, some money did go out and the initial funds went to um, people of color, um, minorities, women, uh, women owned businesses, um, things like that, which of course I support and am all for. Yeah. Um, but there's also uh, people, I, I know people in town who got, um, who got funds, who got this grant and uh, don't have a restaurant component, don't have, the majority of their sales on site. And it's just frustrating to see how many people applied and how many restaurants, um, there's still the, the independent restaurant association is still trying to work on this. But as I've spoken to some of, uh, my congressman's offices, one of our congressmen, our, our, uh, house representative is really, a, um, close to the community and has been here, came by in fact, uh, way back in the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, Speaking with his office, there's just there's just so much other things going on. There's just no there's no real push on the leadership side in Congress to to say, okay, yeah, we're going to replenish this fund. Um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, the original amount it was not funded to the, to what it was asked asking for in the beginning, and um, that was very promising to us because. You know, <laughs> Most people who are in the industry who own anything on a retail bar, restaurant, any any kind of sales service know that um, a loan is not what you need, and a loan is not what is what can get you through. You yeah. know, back when people were like, "Oh yeah, you know, buy gift cards from your local business and everything." And um, while that was all well and good, it was, you know, you should buy that gift card and throw it in the trash, right. and you know, no one did that. And of course now we have all this gift card. It's, it's, it's like another loan. <laughs> Are you actually seeing, cause that was what I saw and, and, and did in, 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 in many cases, um, you just toss it out. And I remember talking to Chris Black from uh, Falling Rock when they were still open, that he had somebody come in and buy a bunch of gift cards and he watched as he tossed it in the trash as, as the guy walked out, you know, knowing that like mm -hmm. it went that way. Um, and yeah. that was part of that whole altruistic, we're all on the balcony singing uh, era of COVID, which yeah. does feel like a decade ago. Um, right. Are you seeing people who bought your, so you are seeing people who bought gift cards yeah. in those early days coming in yeah. now and cashing them in? Yeah. I mean, I have no way of knowing exactly when they were purchased, but you know, um, I, I feel like at least, in our case, there was definitely some people that did and, and did it without the intent of, of ever using it. But there's definitely people that have come in and, you know, like I said, the, the impression with your doors open and you're selling things is that everything is, is as it should be and everything is fine. And it's, 
it's so frustrating because it couldn't be further from the truth. And not a lot of people in the industry, not a lot of owners, not a lot of um, people who are on that side of the the business in this industry are are able to speak or or want, I, I I think are hesitant to speak about that because they don't want that perception. Um, but they also want that perception because they want people to know and want people to understand what's really going on. But you also don't want someone to think, Oh, wow, they're, they're barely scraping by. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> when you, you know, we, we were already finding this out with PPP, uh, we had to, that basically saved our business, but again, loan, um, yeah. and it's becoming harder and harder to get forgiven. Um, at, at certain amounts originally as you get further away. Yeah. Yeah. As originally the SBA was said to people, which ours was, was, was greater than this, but, um, the SBA was saying, Oh, if you got $150,000 or below PPP loan, that it would, it was going to be forgiven. It wasn't going to be hard. And that hasn't been the truth, uh, in particular bank of America. So, which is not our bank, but sure. I uh, have other friends who, um, and people I've talked to then and, and listened to, uh, other uh, media outlets that have described some horrifying stories with people um, being promised one thing and now just going through the ringer trying to get their loans forgiven. And um, there's a good chunk of our original PPP that that looks like it won't be forgiven. Um, we've also got um, the second one that we're still trying to get through and still trying to get um, forgiven. And you know, mo- most of that money came and went real fast. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, to continue to operate and to continue to, I mean, we, we closed and reopened, I think we're on our third or fourth one at this point in the last two years. And um, each time you do that, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with our place, but it's, it's pretty big. I just, yeah. To people as trying to stop a locomotive um, that's going full speed you can't just flip a switch and you're done and stop. Um, no, that was one of the things that early on I was thinking of your place because I was there, I guess, maybe eight months after you opened and I went in with Brandon Hernandez one night and we had a, a, okay. a really nice night. And like, But it, it was like I got lost walking from one room to the next, like looking <laughs> for the bathroom. Like it's that uh, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I was it's probably also drinking pale ale. But yeah, either way. <laughs> Uh, so easily turned around, but yeah, 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 it's not like you have four simple walls and you know small tap room in a kitchen or something. It's, it's a pretty uh, massive def- spot. Yeah, yeah, we're not a warehouse with a tasting bar and a garage roll up. You know, we have we've got I don't know ten or twelve roll ups, and we have two two stories and a patio. We have four bars. We have uh, a front patio. We have a deck. We have an upstairs deck. We have you know, there's, there's a lot here. And as I mentioned before, we had over 70 employees when this thing all hit Yeah, and we went down to zero and that and, was hard. <laughs> and there's gotta be like some people who say like, well, you had all this outdoor space and you could do outdoor dining, but that had its own complications, I imagine. Oh yeah. And, and this, this gets back to that perception that, that, that everything is fine. Um, and the fact that, you know, it took us, a month to fully close this place down and a true the state and county did allow um food for takeaway at some point um 
in the process, but we weren't set up or designed to do that. We, we, I mean, when we're, we're full, full bore, yeah, somebody could, could walk in and say, can I get my order to go? Yeah. But you know, we don't, we didn't have all the, the things that you need to set up to receive orders and, you know, you know, in a fashion that we could, you know, run and operate a business that way. And we eventually did, um, we made a decision to kind of hibernate for a while, seeing that um, our business isn't designed for takeaway. It's designed for people to be here, yeah. designed for large parties, big events, uh, and things like that. So um, we eventually did open for, um, we started with some, some takeaway. We got utilized our onsite parking lot for numbering parking spaces, you know, uh, utilized our POS and some online systems for ordering and communication with customers and completely changed and limited our menu, um, hired back a couple of, uh, of employees and my wife and I, I think there was five of us. Um, we tried to run that for a while and it just wasn't sustainable, not for, the needs of the building and, and all the, the fixed costs that we have combined with, um, you know, like I said, people don't think of us as, as takeaway and, um, it, it, it just didn't work. Um, and like I said before, we, we decided to follow all the mandates and all of the things that we were supposed to do. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of the businesses in our industry and in our local community here did not, yeah, and continued to have dine-in service. Continued to not have uh, spatial restrictions or uh, sorry, distancing restrictions or or anything like that. And um, you know that there was some people when we did we did utilize our outdoor space um, for uh, the summer um, back in uh, 2020. I think we opened in mid July. Uh, we were able to get some staff together to to bring in um, guests into our garden and patio area and deck area, and that that worked a little bit, but it was it was still just not at the volume that we needed with the restrictions that we had to have in place. Even though people were outside, they were still required to be distanced. And um, you know, yes, we could we could hold quite a few people. But, um, you know, it was frustrating for the guests. It was frustrating for us. We're trying to execute with a, just a shoestring staff and um, trying to also add a to-go element to that if people still didn't feel comfortable coming in. And it just, it's just it barely, barely worked. And then it just, like, again, it wasn't the volume that we needed to, uh, to sustain. Yeah. Uh, we were running run out of money. And then the, on December 7th of 2020, the government decided or the state government decided to shut down all dining on site of any kind, um, yeah. indoor or outdoor. And um, at that point, we tried to pivot and try to do takeaway. We talked with some of our staff about delivery and offering that option because we figured, well, if everybody's going to follow and do what they should do, then we're all in the same boat. And therefore, we might have a chance to at least pay, make enough money to pay the people that we had. And, um, of course, a ton of people stayed open and, you know, there was no, another thing that's, that's funny. You mentioned, uh, uh, our governor's response to quote, ending the crisis and, um, our crisis mode. And yeah, it's funny because in so many parts of the state, um, that there never was a crisis 
in some people's minds. They operated their businesses. They went out to businesses the same as they did in February of 2020. And it was as if nothing had changed. And that's gone on throughout. And so it's really funny to me, just hilarious, honestly, to hear, you know, we, we had an indoor mask mandate that started, um, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago or something like that. And right. same thing, like, you know, it was kind of, we followed it here. We've had a, our employees, we still do have a mask, mask on for all of our employees um, uh, when they're working. Uh, vaccinated or not and um and uh we've held that throughout and some people don't some people come in and see that we're wearing masks and actually get turned off um so it's 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 there was just no consequence you know these people that were open the um the alcoholic beverage control of the state of california had threatened to pull people's licenses and find them. Nothing ever happened. Um, yeah. It's just, there was just no consequence. And it was so frustrating because in the moment, um, I, we knew, we knew that there wasn't going to be any consequence for this. We knew that if it, if anybody actually ended up in court, they would, they would plead, well, I needed to do this to keep my business open. I would needed to do this to supply my employees with wages to, 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 sustain their lives like it just there was oh, it was so frustrating and like i said it, it hurt us to do that and yeah. we weren't willing to put anybody at risk our our employees our customers ourselves uh, our staff just we weren't willing to do that so we followed those things and, and it hurt you know our volume was gone our, our locomotive did not come back up to speed and still hasn't um and that's that's just it's just so hard to take and so hard because it's it's and I don't blame the general public. It is kind of so confusing. Um, yeah. You know, and all of the mandates, all of the, the things, that's why the governor's ending the crisis. I mean, 50 percent of the or more, I don't know, I would say of the general public doesn't care, doesn't listen, knows there isn't any consequence. You know, um, it, we we had employees get yelled at for requesting people to wear masks uh, when they came in back when the mandates were on and back when yeah. it was outdoor only and, you know, uh, yelled at them about distant, you know, politely asking, Hey, can you just, can you just please take this mask and put it on and walk when you walk to your table and if you go to the bathroom, put it on just getting, you know, brutalized and no one wants to work in an environment that's like that. Yeah. And, the customers confused or they're made up their mind or whatever political view they have has influenced them to be however they're going to be. And that's fine. But to take it out on somebody who's just doing their job is, is just, it's so horrible. And we saw it and we took it. And I know many hundreds and thousands of other employees and people and businesses took it as well. Um, but it's just, that's, that's where I get to that impossible comment. You know, you, you can't, you can't make a decision as a business owner. I, I have no idea what's going to happen next. When the next variant comes out, is the state going to close things down again? No, probably not because <laughs> they'll sacrifice their political careers if they do so. Of course. And, and that, 
basically happened in the state. There was a recall election. We all knew that he wasn't going to get recalled, but you know, there's it, it showed that there was enough people that were like, you know, in just such staunch, uh, staunch um, uh, feelings and personal beliefs about this. And instead of, you know, doing research, looking at facts, looking at what science says, they just chose to make their own decisions. And while that's fine, they forget to acknowledge or can't acknowledge that that really is damaging to a lot of other people out there. And I, I, I started to say before, um, before you uh, hit record there, um, yeah. that, that uh, I feel like there's two types of people that have kind of come through this and, and come out of this. And oh, there's more than that, but there's, there's two main ones to me. It's the, the people that the pandemic came on and their lives didn't really change at all. They were able to work from home. They were able to sustain their income. They were able to get the, the things that they needed, that they wanted, even the luxuries and the vices and all the other things that they ever wanted. Um, and are just kind of going on and on and to no fault of their own, haven't looked at the other group of people, which is the ones that were not able to sustain their lives, were not able to sustain their incomes, were not able to, to get the things that they needed and, um, and had it really, really rough. And for one group to understand the other group is, is really, really, really hard to do. And we're, we're continuing to see that and we're continuing to, to see comments and responses from people, customers, guests um, who have been in or, or just even people. I've, we've had people walk up to our business and say, yeah, because you closed down during the pandemic or during the shutdowns or whatever, we're never, ever coming back here. Just walked up to the building and found an employee and t- told that to the employee and then walked away. Jesus, that's a dick move. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I again, I get back to this impossible part. I just wish if there was some way to, to convey to people um, so that they understand both sides. Um, you know, I, you can only use ignorance as, or you can't use ignorance as an excuse in this situation, but you, you, I think you owe it to yourself as a person in this world to try and figure out why somebody might be in the position that they're in or to at least partially understand that. I've had conversations with guests that just, you know, we, we did away with servers. We, um, we changed our, our service model and went to QR codes and, and less of a, a front of house staff interaction with with guests, and there's still plenty of it, and the, and the service is still at the level that um, was always our belief and our goal with this business. But so many people don't understand that. So many people um, I've had conversations with, and I usually in the conversation with, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but this is how we had to start operating, or else we wouldn't be here anymore. Yeah. And it still doesn't. Or you were told that you wouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I just like, I, I can't, I can't afford a serving staff anymore. Um, minimum wage in California tipped or not is $15 an hour, no matter the size of your staff, no matter what. And when we opened, um, let's see a little over seven years ago, um, or eight years ago, anyway, 2014. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> minimum wage was half that. 
is $7.50 an hour. So you couple all of this misunderstanding, misinformation, not having any empathy for, for what our business is, is in, and then you look at numbers, and then you try to explain to somebody why their burger costs what it does these days, why their beer costs what it does, or the cocktails, or the overall anything. Every single thing that we do here has gone up in ex all of our expenses have gone up. There's not one single expense that is the same that it was even a year ago. And not, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just, I was just going to say, I, we've been hearing a lot about the expenses going up. Um, what's been the most impactful one? If there, if there is, you know, a top one. Uh, <laughs> Probably labor. Okay. Labor was always our biggest expense and um, to have it go up without, you know, it, and trust me, I get it. I get inflation. I get that. And I deserve that everybody, or I get that everybody deserves and should get a living wage and something that they can sustain their lives with. But when you talk about a market and a, and a, place like almost anywhere in California <laughs> you can't you can't earn a wage that can afford you to buy a house yeah. you you can you can almost find one to get yourself a lease or rent um, a property but you've got to have two three incomes coming into that to sustain um, to be able to rent and, and have anything that's comfortable. And so I get that. I get that those prices should go up, but what people don't understand is the, the other side of that, which is that, you know, whatever business it is, whatever they're offering, they've got to charge more for that service or that business. And, you know, that, or that commodity or whatever it is. And I just think that people just lose sight of that. They're like, Oh yeah, more, you know, more winter wage, raise minimum wage. All well and good as long as you're willing to spend more. And I yeah. just think people don't understand that other side of the equation. You know, that money has to come from somewhere. And, and trust me, it's not like I'm sitting back on my yacht. <laughs> um, you know, our margins are razor thin. And when you do something like increase an hourly waged employee $1 an hour, it adds up and it makes a difference and you know people say oh just just raise your menu prices doesn't always work that way um because then you get mad that we're charging that and then, or you go somewhere else or you you know uh, we're also trying to to explain that our value and our and our what, in what we offer yeah. and and try to balance pricing with that with expenses <laughs> And, and try to get and try to explain to somebody that who makes an off color comment, oh, wow, that's really expensive for that. And you just, it would take an hour and a whiteboard to, to, to draw, draw out and show the person why that, that, that number is the way that it is. Yeah. Instead and people having, are so hot tempered right now as well. Right. I mean, yeah. everybody is at their wits end just after, yeah. you know, two years of this, that even a, you know, not a simple uh, explanation, but a uh, calm way trying to explain like, well, this is why it is. It's just going to, I think more often than not be met with some eye roll or some sort of exasperation. Yeah. Yeah. It's true.
and it's 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 there's no sign of it changing. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, well, the the, the caseload's going down, and the hospitalizations are going down, and the restrictions are going away. It's like, yeah, well, we saw that happen a couple times before already. You know, uh, it's going to come back. There's going to be another variant. There's going to be, you know, more of this happening. I, I hope and wish it turns endemic. But, yeah. you know, until <laughs> I can keep a staff member that, you know, on some capacity, you know, whenever, uh, you know, we're required to do certain things when someone tests positive. And those were pretty, pretty intense uh, restrictions and pretty intense things until a little bit recent. And let alone if somebody if somebody was unvaccinated, that was that would knock them out for ten days, no matter what. Then it went to two weeks. Then I had to pay them while they were gone those two weeks. Yeah, um, it's it's intense, and people just don't they don't understand that. <laughs> are Are you seeing because prices have bumped up that people who might've come in previously and gotten dinner and a couple of drinks and appetizers, dessert, like that kind of thing. Like are people doing less now? Uh, it's hard to know. Um, our longtime regulars, most of them don't seem to be too adverse to, to minor increases um, over the, or even over the years before pandemic time um we got we got a few we get comments here and there just because new guests who don't know us have never been here before may just have an you know i feel like everybody goes to a place and they have expectations and you know once the food lands or the beer lands or the cocktail lands or whatever it is um that expectation can be met it could be exceeded or it could not be met and i think that that just depends on that person there's not a whole lot we can do and i it's hard to know if if people are are coming in and seeing that and deciding that they're not going to come back there's probably a certain percentage that are there's probably a certain percentage of people who are coming by and going oh that was that's kind of more than i remember spending and might not come back as soon or as often as they might yeah. Um, um, but it's, it's, it's just so hard to know. And I, I wish, I wish there was a way I wish I could get a candid answer from everybody who comes in. <laughs> Maybe not, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah careful least, what you wish for there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, some people are, are brutally honest and don't care. Other people, you know, will, will save it. You know, you will have, you've had tables have been spoken with the staff checked in this or that. And then we'll write in later and say, you know, how horrible everything was. And you're like, but why didn't you tell us in the moment? We can't do a whole lot about it now. Yeah. You know, we can find out what your frustrations are and we can address them or remedy them if possible. Yeah. Difficult. More in just a moment, but first thanks to these companies who support drink beer, think beer and help keep it on the air. Stomp Stickers is a reliable resource for printed items such as beer labels and boxes, keg collars, coasters, and more. Visit stompstickers.com and use code craftbeer15 for 15% off your first order. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. 
Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with code BEEREDGE10, limit one per customer. And NZ Hops. It's a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years to produce some of the world's finest hops. NZ Hops are like no others, unique in their flavors and aromas. Visit nzhops.co.nz to explore more. And now, back to the conversation. Has there been anything in the last two years that you've been able to do or to implement or set yourself up for the future that is in the win column? No. That's an easy no. <laughs> yeah. um, we are rolling with the punches day by day. Um, I lost my executive chef in November. I lost my lead brewer in December. I just lost my head of operations. Um, he'll be leaving first week of March. Um, yeah, nothing is stable. Nothing is solid. Um, yeah, we, we fortunately have money in the bank, um, loan money. But uh, yeah, I have no, it's very difficult to look at something and okay, that's a concrete foundation other than you know, my wife and I's unwilling desire to, <laughs> or willing desire to keep going um, and keep yeah. rolling with these punches. And I'd be lying if I said there are several days and several times when I was like, well, that's it, we're done. Um, it, it just, you get to this point where you, you're almost numb to these shocking, you know, talk about a table leg being knocked out. Well, how about three table legs being knocked out? Yeah. That's what it feels like. It feels like that last one is just kind of, it's a straw <laughs> and it, it, it just, it just keeps going and it keeps going like that. And fortunately, you know, we're, we're able to have people come in here. still. fortunately we've been able to start booking events again, uh, December with Omicron killed our event business, which we usually have huge holiday business parties. And we we're so happy to hopefully get back to that. We had nearly all of them cancel because of the, the variant. And, um, you know, that, that, that's a positive light, but you know, when the next variant comes around, are all the parties that are booked up for summer, are they all going to have to cancel? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have a solid thing where I can say, yep, that's, that's going well, that's going to be there. That's going to help us. That's going to be something that helps us push through. Don't have anything. So what keeps you going? Uh, my wife asked me the same question all the time. Um, I love this place. I love what we built here and, um, I love making beer. I love the, the aspect of where we, um, we've kind of put ourselves in this industry. And I think that there's some, there is some people out there that recognize it. Um, it's kind of also all I know how to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been in the industry for almost 25 years and um, I'm, I'm not sure. And of course my wife tells me different, but 
I'm not sure what I would do if I wasn't a, a brewer or if I wasn't um, uh, trying to lead this place and and have this place. So I, I, I yeah. imagine you wouldn't want to go work for somebody else in the brewing space now that you've had a place with your name literally on the door. Uh, that's yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not advocating for it by any means. Like I, I love your place. I love, I love drinking your lagers. I love your pale ale. Like, please, please don't go away. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I I mean, there, there may be some, who knows what happens. There may be a situation where that has to be. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that whatever that situation would be that I'd make myself right with it, but yeah, it's not attractive. Um, yeah. you know, I, I get to do whatever I want in the brewery here and, um, you know, do what I believe and what I think is, is, is our kind of core values as a brewery. And we've maintained those and, um, you know, <laughs> we don't make saucer, we don't do hazy IPAs or pale ales. We don't do pastry stouts. We don't do, we don't do a lot of the stuff that's made a lot of people, a lot of money lately. <laughs> Are you, and, are uh, you tempted to? Nope. Nope. I, um, I started this brewery with, um, one sort of, you know, if it, this classic kind of style, uh, style of beer that we do is, has been something that, that was grown in me over time, especially with travel and, and visiting and, and tasting these beers and their native or close to native, you know, things it's, it's, uh, which, which, which fueled the passion. And, you know, I, maybe they're out there and I just haven't talked to them, but I don't know. I can't think of a brewer who's passionate about seltzer or passionate about hazy beer or passionate about some other gimmick or throwing, you know, some other type of food ingredient into their beer that never ever was intended to land there. And it's just not me. I just, I, I that would make me close the business. <laughs> if I had to do that. I just, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It- I know I've, I've had conversations with folks uh, that during the pandemic in the early days, um, people were going back to familiar flavors. You know, they wanted a beer that you could actually have a six pack of in a night if you wanted to, if you were working mm-hmm. from home and didn't have to, you know, yeah. do much the next day, that kind of thing. Um, do, do you feel that you were able to introduce some of your classic styles, you know, amber ale, cream ale, um, to new groups of people? in the early days, like were you able to make the case for classics? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we also, we also had some help with, with other local breweries and, and bars and and things like that. People would, would say, Oh, you, if you're interested in, in tasting some classic stuff, you should go check out Bagby beer. And, um, you know, I think that helped out. I think we, there were some things that shocked me that we were or have been able to do. Um, I was telling someone the other day, I was like, I never thought I would always wanted to make one. And then until we, um, until we opened any beer was alt and, you know, fantastic 
talk about Amber Ale, um, our Amber Hybrid, a fantastic beer that has some ties towards, say, you know, an American Amber or American Red style of beer with its bitterness level and its clarity and its crispness and, and malt flavor and character um, without the dramatic um, drama of Pacific Northwest or, or other, you know, more aggressive hop aromas and flavors. And I, and I, I was for a long time, you know, we couldn't, we did for a while, we put German style alt beer on our, our menu for alt beer. Um, and then we started describing it to people um, as German style amber ale. And that helped, that helped people try it. And I couldn't believe after a while, this, this was a few years back, um, pre-pandemic, but I couldn't believe how fast the batch, that batch when we first started describing it to people and had our, had our staff describe it to people, watch how fast it sold. And, um, you know, we serve it in a staunch style glass and yeah. you're not getting the volume that you would say if you get a pint here um, of, uh, of our American Amber Ale. So just, uh, I, I think we've made strides there. Um, I think things like um, English Pale Ale, um, we were able to try and we were able to make some, some moves there, even if people didn't really understand what the difference was, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's pretty cool. You know, we make a lot of sub 5% ABV beers and to be able to move something with any kind of volume that's 4% or lower or 4.2% that isn't gimmicky or that isn't, you know, <laughs> full of some crazy dramatic hop, but actually has a, a balance and has a, a clean character to it and has subtle, but defined flavors. Um, that's a real mark. And I'm really proud to say that I think we've done that really well over the years and continue to. And, um, that was always my hope. I know that would never have uh, the effect of, uh, to cause any kind of, you know, can release line around the block kind of, of, uh, of hype. But, uh, I thought that hopefully we were coming back into a realm, like you said, where people were, were trying more classic styles and they were becoming more popular again. And it's hard for me to, to really know if that's true, if that's going on, there's definitely, definitely a logger push now more than ever. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll say, I'll clarify it and say actual tr traditionally brewed, um, and, and, and properly brewed loggers, um, are really, are really coming on strong and it's really, really cool to see. We, uh, we had a lager festival here back in November and, um, it was awesome to talk with the people that came to that event and, and to, <laughs> to, to see, you know, we were able to get a lot of brewers here and, um, I, I was going to say throw a lager festival and brewers are immediately going to show up. Yeah. Well, the, the actual lager brewers that we poured to, yeah. um, as, as kind of what I meant. So to see the, the general public interacting with them and to see all the other brewers <laughs> that came, uh, it was, it was cool. It was, it was, it was, uh, I think it, educational for people. And also, you know, it made a point. It was like, Hey, you know, this, 
this is something that people want and it's something that we can bring them and it definitely here it falls in line with our motto you know classic style beer <laughs> um as I was getting ready for this uh, conversation with you, I was thinking of one of the last times I saw you, uh, which was at Hunapu Day, mm. um, which I guess would have been 19, because uh, I guess they didn't do it in 20. Uh, and my I, dates may be off. I was, yeah, I'm thinking you 19. Uh, I was thinking it was 19 because in 20, I was actually about to land in Tampa. I was able to get, um, I didn't buy an internet service on the flight and I was low enough to, to pull up my email. And as I was landing in Tampa, I got the, the email and oops, time to go um, home. <laughs> yeah. Got the email that said Hunapus was canceled and, um, they still had kind of a pre night. No one knew what was going on. I was trying to call home and make decisions on what we we're going to do. It was, it was nuts. Yeah. I believe that would have been 19. So 19 where as I was walking around and trying all of the, the various fuckery that existed at that festival, um, Mm -hmm. all of the brewers that I'd run into would start to start to whisper, like as the day would go on and it's like, Bagby's got uh, pale ale uh, at his (laughs) table. And, you know, so after trying all of the, you know, the stuff that everybody was going nuts for, I wandered over to that table and behind, uh, behind the table. And, and of course, every brewer was there drinking pale ale uh, at a festival that you know, throws extreme to, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to, to new heights. So yeah. um, it's nice to see that that is now continuing with, with the festival uh, that you're having and even just with, with, with general drinkers. Yeah, yeah, and um, I hope it it seems more st- sustainable to me to have growth and have um, some recognition of these styles rather than the kind of flash in the pan kind of thing. Yeah, like, I don't know. Are you going to be able to sell pallets of lactose ridden beer to people over and over and over again as time goes on? How much can somebody drink of that? You know, I love that you use the word ridden in there as well, and just. <laughs> I mean, I make uh, sweet stout. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's a little different than some of these beers that are. You don't have a lactose silo in the back. No, some of these beers. I was I was telling some. I was talking to another brewer, and it was it was a pleasant, positive conversation. But I was like, you know, most of your beers finish where mine begin, in gravity wise. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> before we go too far down that hole, um. <laughs> I know you go to festivals and you or you used to, and we all used yeah. to and everything. Um, there's, it seems to be a ramp up this summer again for more festivals than there were last year. Um, trying mm-hmm. to get back into, in, into that mindset. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also been a lot of things discussed in and around the industry as far as inclusion and uh, you know, proper ways of, you know, that people should be conducting themselves at these festivals, mm-hmm. um, you know, rules going into place as well. Um, from a brewer standpoint, mm-hmm. what would you like to see change for the better at festivals going forward, we have a chance to to hit a little, like maybe a soft reset button for uh, mm. hard reset for the very important things like inclusion and no right. harassment and et cetera. Um, mm. But a soft reset button for what brewers 
you know, what would you like to see to get you out to festivals going forward? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. I mean, selfishly, it's things like our lager festival. It's, it's having um, focuses that aren't, um, you know, a, a, when you throw a beer festival that is just a general beer festival, um, you you invite the you invite the kind of craze or the hype and that's that's fine that brings people to beer but when that beer is further from what i consider beer <laughs> yeah or gets further from that it's to me it's it's a little damaging um or can be you know kind of like we were just talking about with more sustainability with with more styles that are drinkable you know and like you said having a six pack of beer or having more than one or two or being able to get through a glass of a beer. Um, you know, while, while those things are fun and they bring people to, to a festival, they create excitement, they create ticket sales, they, you know, they create this kind of feeling that people want at a beer festival. And, and I agree with that, but I also agree with, you know, a bunch of my friends and brewers coming up and drinking one of my little lagers or, or like you said, a pale ale or, or something like that. It's almost like, you know, bring and and we see festivals like this where it's like, okay, you're going to bring your low AVB beer and your high AVB beer, or or you're going to, you know, there's a couple festivals we sent some beer to a to a festival in Georgia last year that was all small beer, and there's been other small beer festivals too. Things like that to me are are more fun and more more challenging and. Um, but it's difficult because it doesn't draw the crowd. So how do you draw the crowd with those types of beers? I don't know. <laughs> that's, I guess, the, the hard part of it. But that's what yeah. I'd like to see, you know, some more focus on that that way of, of brewing beer, you know, subtlety and delicacy or, you know, being having delicately flavored beers. You know, we, we all remember and went through the, the hop race call it or whatever you know how many ibus can you put how many pounds per barrel how you know all of these things um they just create such aggressive beers and what about what about the the subtle nuances of of lagers or some styles of lager and and some other smaller styles of ale you know dark mild english bitter um things like that that are they're so flavorful but they don't beat you over the head and they're arguably a lot harder to make than some of those more aggressive beers. So I don't know. That's what I'd like to see. I just, I, I would love for you to have a mild festival, but actually <laughs> just not it be a festival and just, we all just sit around at a couple of tables and drink pints of mild for the end. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be fantastic. Um, well, it's food for thought for all of the, festival promoters that i'm sure are listening to this show um i've been asking folks uh, as we start to wrap up here uh, i've been asking folks uh, for the last couple of months uh, a specific question and the premise is my wife and i were re-watching the good place uh, at some point during the pandemic and uh, if you're not familiar with the show there's a um uh uh, towards the end of the show, there's this this green door that exists, and you can walk through a green door and be anywhere at any time with anybody that you want. Mm. And so, if such technology existed 
on this plane of existence. And we could finish this conversation and you could walk through a green door and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world at any time. Um, where'd you want to go? Who'd you want to be with? And what would you like in your glass? Hmm. Part of that is hard. Part of that is easy. Um, because I haven't been able to travel and I haven't been able to see a lot of my friends in the brewing industry that aren't um, so local um, or even in this country, um, I would love to, to be with all of them. Um, and uh, in a, whether it was a festival atmosphere or for, or for it was one of their breweries or it was um, anywhere to me that um, I missed that. I think one of the things I missed the most and um, yeah, it would, it would uh, for, like I said, for one of the, for the location and what's in the glass um, is kind of second and third to just being able to see all those people and chat and talk with them all again. Um, I think uh, whatever was in my glass, I'd like it to, to just be well-made and, and uh, you know, long lines with what I drank. So classic style. Um, and like I said, the brewery could, could be anybody's as long as the other parts, those two other things were there. Um, that's what I'd say. No, not, not the best answer in the world, but. <laughs> hey, it's your answer. It's, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong. This is all about you. It's I, uh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, replayed all of the kind of great not all of them of course that's impossible but a lot of the great beer drinking times that i've had with friends and family and and um yeah just being able to recreate that and i'm hopeful that that like you said that the summer or the warmer months will bring that and um we'll get an opportunity to have those things again it's funny when um I used to do a fair amount of overseas travel for beer and, um, and festivals and things. And one of my friends, um, this was, I think in 2019 mentioned, um, we were in Estonia at a beer festival there in Tallinn, um, put on by Puhala. And, uh, it's a great, great city. It's a great group of people. It's a, it's, it's one of the best beer festivals I've ever been to um, because the people are so into the beer and learning and everything. But all that aside, um, my buddy, another American brewer said, God, it's, it's so lucky that we get to do this. It's so amazing that we get to travel these distances and have these friends that we have this commonality with, and we get to share their, their beers with, with, with us and, and ours with them and, and talk about this thing that we all love and that we're all passionate about and we get to travel to do it and it's part of our life. And I was like, yeah, it's hard. You, you, you almost take it for granted. And, you know, I'm glad we didn't, I'm glad we recognized that moment and we thought to ourselves like, you know, how lucky we were and, and are, to, to have that opportunity and to do those things. And, yeah. um, um, yeah, it's a conversation I think about a lot now, um, <laughs> uh, because all this, I haven't been overseas since, um, the end of 19. So yeah. Um, Same. Yeah. hopefully soon, hopefully soon. <laughs> 
I hope there's brighter days ahead for you, Jeff. This is, uh, thank you, John. I, I appreciate you taking the time and being on the show too. Sure. Sure. I, I, um, I hope I wasn't too doom and gloom. <laughs> I think you just brought the, the dose of reality that we all need in these situations. Oh, thank you. I, I, I hope so. I hope I, I know there's other people that are in my, my shoes with that feeling. And, um, yeah, I, I hope for us all that we can push through and, and get there, get back to, uh, enjoying beers in a room with all our friends and yeah what's it like where you are how are breweries coping and moving forward what have you seen on your brewery visits you can tell me about it it's john hall that's j-o-h-n-h-o-l-l at beeredge.com if you like email or you can get with me on twitter at john underscore hall be sure to check out beeredge.com for our This Week in Rauk Beer and Defend Pilsner merch and to follow along on social media at The Beer Edge. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TW Rauk Beer. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com. And also be sure to check out Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy to use design tool, low quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code craftbeer15 for 15% off of your first order. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with code BEEREDGE10. Limit one per customer. And NZ Hops. It's a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz, or you can find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. A reminder, check out the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. On this show, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.